This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. On this week's show, how to be an effective communicator. Sometimes it's facial expression that can kind of unlock the soul. Founder of the London Speech Workshop, Emma Serlin. If you look at your audience on the final two or three words of the important thought and you wait for a beat after you finish that word, then they will think this person is a great communicator. Welcome to this week's City AM Unregulated podcast. This week, we're not only joined by the founder of the London Speech Workshop, Emma Serlin, but we're also joined by 10-week-old baby Leo. So those little snuffles that you can hear in the background are from him. Um, This week, we're going to talk about the communication equation, which is the book that Emma's just written, basically how to communicate brilliantly. Emma, what is the communication equation? Authenticity plus connection equals engagement. Sounds very complicated. Yes, let me break it down. So the authenticity bit is about caring about about what you're talking about. So that's that's the idea of being passionate or it connecting to your values in some way, being authentic. And that's massive because if you're authentic and you care about what you're saying, then and people can see it, they can they feel something. The next bit, the connection bit, is about caring about other people. So your audience, the people you're speaking to. And again, if they feel cared about, then they're engaged. Like that's the whole equation. If you're authentic, if you care about the other people, then they're gonna they're gonna care too. So how can I make myself be more authentic? Can I do that or or do you just have to be like that? No, you can. It sounds funny, but you can totally do it. So when we're communicating, there's all sorts of things going on. So there's there's our authentic stuff and then there's all the other stuff that, that, you know, nerves or insecurities or fears that get in the way or self-judgments, etc. And what we want to do is peel back and get to the, the good stuff, the juicy stuff that makes you you and makes you passionate or connected to what you're saying so that's that's about your values you know your your drives and in terms of how you cut out the other stuff well the the book is about that because obviously there's quite a lot to say but there's you want to engage physically you want to show in your eye in your eyes and your eye contact that you're authentic that you mean it um, the more you use your body, the more it, there's a physical engagement. So you can kind of tell yourself to use your body and with that start to feel more authentic because you're connecting to your values. And it's also about getting rid of the, um, the, the fear voices in your head, like being able to banish them so you're concentrating on your, your drivers. So let's talk about history's great communicators. And, you know, I'm talking about people like Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi. More recently, Barack Obama is seen as a great communicator. Why are they so good? What defines them as so great? On the whole, they're... Well, you, I, you mentioned men only at that, but it's That's men with true. a mission. <laughs> you know, they're, they're people who have missions. And that's what we were talking about just before in terms of authenticity they're so plugged into their mission that that's the most important thing and they let people feel it they, they let people feel the energy of of their driver their passion 
So they're getting it out. So they're, they're connecting and they're releasing what's really important to them. And actually, Mahatma Gandhi was super terrified of public speaking. That he, yeah, but his mission was so huge that it, it overrode all of his fears. I felt like with Barack Obama, there was always a sense of fun with him. And, you know, just before I came into the studio, I was looking at gifts of him doing the mic drop um, during one, one of his speeches. You know, is that important? It's it's important to be true to your own personality so that you can't fake fun. If you're not that funny and you try and be funny, it's just going to sound a bit off. Um, but if you're naturally funny and it, and, and it feels right to riff, like he was great mm-hmm. at just riffing, um, then it's perfect because people, people enjoy him because he's enjoying it, so they feel connected. So it's important to be true to to what's great about you. I mean, Donald Trump is the, you know, he, he's seen by some as a great communicator, he's seen by others as a terrible communicator. What's your view and, and what kind of defines him as a communicator? I would say he's both. And he is a great communicator. And it's even the, the if people look at their reactions to him at the moment, certainly everyone I speak to, and myself included, it's he's absolutely compelling. I mean, we're gobbling up every bit of newspaper headline we can on Trump and, you know, with teeth clenched watching YouTube videos of, of him just making a fool out of himself. But he's he's compelling to watch. If he was a tedious, monotone, flatlining speaker, we wouldn't be giving him the attention we are. So he's, he's compelling. Um, so And he's compelling because he... He doesn't have a sensor, so it all comes straight out from from his from where he's from his gut, and mm-hmm. and that is that is authentic. I mean, do you think he lacks that thing between his brain and his mouth that filters stuff out? Is is that a thing? Like, <laughs> can you have that? I think it's called narcissism. <laughs> yeah, I I think he's a narcissist, and and therefore he's. He, he doesn't have that social awareness that is like, oh, you know, I, I should be careful or I want to make sure that other people, you know, approve of this. There, there's no treading carefully. But obviously you can have too much of that. I mean, that can go to the other extreme and be incredibly careful like Hillary Clinton was. And you're watching yourself all the time and everything is going through not one filter but 20 because she was very clever. And you end up with a stilted flat communicator, which I think is one of the big reasons why she didn't get elected and Trump did. There there was a study done that said, and I I feel like this is a cliche that's trotted out quite often, that 7% of communication is is in words and everything else is in how you say things and your body language, things like that. I mean, is that true? Or is it ultimately down to words? In that study, he said it was actually just words um, when you were talking about your feelings. And it, it's a number, it's a statistic that has got picked up and used widely. And it makes an important point, which is don't for a moment underestimate what your body is saying and what your tone of voice is saying and what the way in which you say something, i.e. your pausing, your emphasis, the colour of your voice. All of that is so important. And 
if you have brilliant words and none of that other communication is is sort of at an optimum level, you're not going to be able to communicate anything. So I think it's making a really important point that people should notice, but it, it has been, you know, that statistic itself has been used in, you know, in a way which isn't totally accurate to the study. So if I'm, um, say I had a friend who was quite monotonal, monotonous, monotonal, what what would be your advice to that person to improve their communication? We have this exercise that we do at London Speech Workshop, which is a really simple, we call it the intonation technique, the three-step intonation technique. And it breaks up what's going on in a sentence or an idea. One big tip that I could give is about trying to get an idea into someone's head. And with that idea, if you've got a written, you know, a sentence in front of you, which words are, which words do you want to get into the other person's head? And as soon as you think of, of that, you naturally start to emphasise and put colour in. So there's all sorts of ways you can get your monotonal friend to interact. I don't have any monotonal friends. <laughs> Um, but there's all sorts of things you can do to to get that engagement there. And one another lovely one that we talk about is vowels being the emotional content, so almost like the soul of the word. So if you put... Um, we say vowels are a space to put your feelings in. So if you don't let any feelings into the souls of the word or the vowels, like, for example, if I said my heart is broken, I've not put anything into that R of heart then you're not going to feel... You're certainly not going to feel empathy for me as you know, the person I'm speaking to. If I say, my heart is broken, you'll start to be like, wow, OK, like, do you want a hug? How can I help? So, so that could be a, a tip for your friends. OK, so you have, you have a whole chapter on how to smile, which is quite delightful. Um, sometimes I get into work, I'm in a bad mood, my team know it. What's the best way to fake your way out of a bad mood? So there's an idea that we have called social performance. And uh, Jamie, who's one of our principal coaches, says about use, thinking about gears. So if you come in and you're usually at gear two and you've got a hangover or you're in your bad mood and you, you're gear one, um, he says up it, you know, and if you need to, if occasion demands it, go to gear three. And so it's about being prepared to just push a bit. So it's not faking, it's... it's upping your game Leo's got something to say Leo wants to join in and say yes just cough it out (laughs) Um, but yeah so it's it's coming in and and you can you can add that energy like even if you were to jump up and down before you know before you came into the room just to get your energy going and like shake it out and just yell a bit and sing a bit just to get things moving but you have to you have to want to you have to be like, right, I, I want my team to feel good even though I feel bad, therefore I'll, I'll put in that effort. And then you use techniques. And, and so is that kind of affecting your physicality? Is that affecting, you know, what's going on inside you? Or is that just you, you know, trying to get yourself going? Yeah, OK, lovely question. So what's really interesting, and we talk a lot about in the book, is this idea of outside in. So you can, you can work in both directions. So you can work on the inside out and give yourself techniques or ideas or get rid of things in your brain and, 
and then change how you are physically, or you can work from the outside in. And um, Amy Cuddy did a great TED talk on that, um, and there's lots of sort of proven statistics that you can go into a physical position. Oh, Leo. <laughs> oh, Leo. Fake it, Leo. Fake it. <laughs> um, in her case, so she talked about the power gesture, and it changes your body chemistry. Which and that's is standing amazing. in a kind of A shape, isn't it, with your arms up? Yeah, or any really confident shape. I'm going to try and make Leo stand in a confident shape now. <laughs> oh, hey. As we're talking about effective communication, we thought we'd let you know the ways to communicate with us. Our favourite way is when you leave us an iTunes rating and review. It gives us all the feels. You can follow at CityAM on Twitter, or better yet, tweet me, at Emma Hazlitt. Yes, that's with two Ts. With your thoughts on our professional development podcast. Awesome. Back to communication maths. Should I say back to communication math? I just said it. (laughs) One thing that you mention in the book is you know, how your inflection and your facial expressions can really affect what people think of you. Have you got any kind of examples of that? Um, Yeah, I do, actually. So a really nice one is a client that I worked with some years ago, and he he was very bright, had a great job in the city, and felt that felt that he wasn't a good communicator. He just had this idea about himself that he had never been a good communicator. And he also struggled at work to have authority and felt that when his seniors spoke to him, they would speak to him aggressively and he didn't know how to respond. And we did a couple of of amazing bits of work that just really, really stuff that was actually really quite... Um, significant and sort of and very touching as well and on on inflection um we we just did this funny exercise um because if you go up it's not very authoritative so if I say if I go up it's not very authoritative just sounds like I don't really know what I'm talking about and if you go down it is Uh, And I call that vocal gravity so Mm -hmm. it's this idea that what goes up must come down you need to land an idea and some people just go up all the time like that, and it's a very teenage thing. Um, you do that sometimes. <laughs> but um, but obviously it's an issue with being authoritative. If you if you if you need to get that extra impact, and you're going up all the time to your scene, it's not going to work. So to get him to go down, I got him to play God. So I said, right, you're creating all of this room. <laughs> Everything you see, it's like this is a table because obviously God <laughs> wouldn't upward inflect. You know, this is a table, <laughs> uncertain God. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that was nice. And in terms of facial expression, it, it there's different things that will release different people. So, so people will have their blocks in whatever area it is, and and it's our job to figure that out and release and help support them to release it. Um, and with this particular client, there was there was this internal idea. It's a great example of working inside out and outside in. So there's the, there was this idea he had that he was a terrible communicator and had been since childhood. And then in what he did was not show anything in his face. So there was there was a total blockage. So he was like a mask. And when we worked on releasing his face with some silly exercises, when he uh, read out his 
I think I'd asked him to write a mission statement on what he wanted out of life. So when he read it out for a second time, but now using facial expression, everything came alive. And he sort of ad-libbed and, you know, went off-piste. And it, we filmed it, and it was beautiful. I think we both welled up watching oh. it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sometimes it's facial expression that can kind of in- unlock the soul. It's worth pointing out here that um, we did actually do an episode on body language and networking. Um, that was episode 15, if you want to check it out. Another point that you make in the book is about apologies and how to apologise without forcing it. Can you tell us more about that? So apologies, we started talking about authenticity and connection and I'm every aspect of communication, those two things are really important and apologies are exactly the same. So in terms of an apology, if you're inauthentic, if you're doing it just because you feel you should or it's the easy route out, then there's... In a way, there's some kind of um, betrayal of yourself that is not healthy. It's, that's the communication that's going on with you. And so it's really important to find where the genuine apology is, what it is you're apologising for. And it, and it could be that you're apologising for, for their hurt, for their pain, nothing to do with your actions. But as long as you start by finding what you are prepared to apologise for, if anything... Um, then you're you're getting you're you know making progress on the authentic side of it. So it's more feeling sorrow than sorry. <laughs> Very good. You. So you you did say at the beginning that Mahatma Gandhi suffered from very bad nerves, and you know a lot of people have problems public speaking or just when they meet new people. Is there a way of hiding those nerves? Can you fake your way out of it? Can you fake your way out of nerves? I, in a way, yes, there are certain devices you can use. I, I don't know whether it's actually faking because what you're doing is changing, changing where your thoughts are. So there are, for example, really thinking about the purpose of what you're doing, communicating, connecting to the other person, so putting your attention on your audience rather than letting any voices in your head sort of take over. So it's changing your focus. You, or you might just decide to focus on some of the techniques, like pauses, like an emphasis and gesture and eye contact. There are so various things where if you change your focus, it's very difficult to be thinking about all the stuff that makes you very scared at the same time as thinking, I'm really going to intend this idea all the way over to the other person. So baby Leo is, make it very clear that he is tired of this podcast, so I will <laughs> ask my final question. Um, and that's, you know, you describe a lot of techniques in the book. What is your favourite communication technique? Is there one that you always kind of fall back on? There's a lovely one about with using eye contact, which is for public speaking or presentations. And it's a game changer and it's so simple and very few people know it. And I remember watching the wedding, the royal wedding, and looking at the, I think, the, the priest who was, who was doing a speech and just missed this little nugget. And I thought, God, if I could just t- take him aside for two minutes, give him this nugget, he'd be a great communicator. And the nugget is... <laughs> da, da, da. So with eye contact, if you look at your audience on the final two or three words of the important thought or sentence and you wait for a beat after you finish that word, then they will think this person is a great communicator.
And, it, and it's literally that simple. So it's the final two or three words of the unit and you're looking at your audience, you're delivering that idea. So with some kind of intention, it's not just a vague, like glance in that direction where people go wrong is they look up in the middle of their sentences and then they look down at the end to get the next sentence and what the statement of that is actually I what I really care about is getting my next sentence I don't care about making sure that my audience have received the idea and that's because the the weight of the idea is on the final couple of words of, of the thought well with that I think I'm a better communicator Emma Serlin and Baby Leo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. With thanks to our guest Emma Serlin and our podcast producer Jamie Wareham, this has been City AM's Unregulated Podcast. Hang about for this week's Twitter conversation, but also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all with RSS or your favourite podcast app. And remember, email advertising at audioboom.com if your brand wants to connect with our ABC One millennial audience. And to this week's Twitter conversation. Tweet me at Emma Hazlitt, that's with two Ts, with a picture of your genuine smile after Emma's advice. If you're lucky, I'll smile back. We'll see. Until next week. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production. (laughs) 